Well, the series we're doing called Playlist, we've had three different songs that we've done each week, and, and these uh, have all been powerful. We've been looking at three different Marys, uh, Mary of Bethany, Mary the mother of Jesus. Today, we're going to look at Mary Magdalene. So if you have a Bible, I want you to go to John chapter 20, John chapter 20. If you don't have a Bible, I just encourage you to download version on your phone, uh, and uh, I read out of the New Living Translation. So... Uh, this series, though, we are taking these songs, and I, I just believe that, you know, I, I get the, that we say there's Christian music, and I don't even know what the word secular music even means, but uh, I just believe that all music is all music. It either edifies God or it doesn't edify God. That's just the bottom line. So if you wonder, what should I be listening to? Should I, should I only be listening to Christian music? Okay, I don't even know what that means. But you should be listening to only music that edifies and glorifies God. And if it doesn't, change the station or get it off your playlist. <laughs> I've had to, at times over the years, go, oh, I can't be listening to that Rod Stewart song anymore. That, I can't do that. Uh, I mean, just say some of you like, who's that? Um, anyway, so Playlist is a series where we look at these different songs and, and how they uh, reflect in our lives. Because there's a lot of things we try to say, but we can't put words to it. But praise God for the artists and the musicians who are able to do that. And they put to words and to music what our heart is trying to express and so I believe God wants to speak to us through uh, this song today. And this song is, uh, just comes at a very uh, difficult time in our city right now. But I think the word that God has for us is important. And I believe that the word that, we're gonna, that he brought today is uh, very appropriate for what we are experiencing. So would you stand with me? I want to read John chapter 20. And I read out of the New Living Translation. We're going to begin in verse 11. So John is... Um, Jesus' best friend, and he writes this account about after the resurrection of Jesus. And Mary Magdalene, she didn't know. We have, we have the um, advantage of knowing there's a resurrection, okay? But you kind of got to take that hat off for a moment. And Mary is devastated by the loss of the Savior, the Son of God, the Messiah who has come, and now he's dead. And so she's going to the tomb not expecting a resurrection at all. And we read this about her in verse 11. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped in and she, she looked in. Now, let me just say this real quick. Uh, I think one of the things as followers of Jesus, we need, to, we need to mourn with those who mourn, and we need to grieve with those who grieve. This is a time in our city we are to grieve. Grieve with this family, grieve with friends, grieve just collectively for the tragedy that struck our city that none of us would ever think would happen in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Well, the worst things we can do as followers of Jesus is, uh, you know, just when you see somebody who's grieving, is go, hey, the guy's good. You're going to be, everything's going to be great. And, and that is true. It is true, we believe in the hope. I'm going to talk about the hope a little bit today. But I say this, you don't bring balloons to a funeral, okay? So as a follower of Jesus, don't show up with balloons to a funeral. You show up and you grieve. You weep. You weep with people just as Jesus did. So she saw the two white-robed angels, and one was sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. And the angel said this, Dear woman, why are be crying because they've taken away my Lord I, I don't know where they put him and she turned to leave and she saw someone standing there 
It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. She, and he said, dear woman, why, why, are, you, why are you crying? Who, who is it you're, you're looking for? And she thought he was the gardener. She said, if you've taken him away, tell me where you put him and I'll, I'll go get him. Jesus just looks at it and says, Mary. She turned to him and she cried out, Rabboni, which in Hebrew means teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said. I, I haven't yet ascended to the Father, but go find my brothers and tell them I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene found the disciples and she told them this, I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord. Let's pray. God, we as a city are in a time of grieving. And we lift this family to you. And we would ask that you be close to the brokenhearted today. And that somehow, some way, you would break through the deep sorrow. And they would find the peace of God, the hope of God. Church, what I want to ask you to do now, in this moment, is you, you have no idea who's standing next to you, who's in front of you, or who's behind you. You don't know what they're facing in their life. But could we collectively just lift each other up a little bit, pray for one another? Pray for one another, help one another. Maybe it's your own heart that's heavy today that God would speak. Would God speak and would he just bathe us with his grace and his mercy today? Would he just shower that over us today? And would you pray for me as your pastor as I try to just make some sense or some way uh, in which God wants to speak to each of us through this horrific tragedy? In Jesus' name. And the church collectively said... Amen. All right, you may be seated. Well, this is a um, difficult day in our city. Uh, Laura and I have lived in Broken Arrow for over 25 years. And we've seen um, our share of difficulties and struggles in our schools with young people and different things that have, tragedies that have struck our city, but nothing, nothing like this. Nothing so public, nothing so traumatic that has left our, our city just shocked. And so today, what I hope to do is help us weed through this a little bit together, collectively, as, as a community, as, as uh, believers in the hope of the resurrection and I want us to be praying for uh, Jameson's family and, and his friends. And I want to say this. I think this is really important for me to say, that I believe unequivocally, without doubt, and I can say with the utmost confidence that Jameson rests today in the arms of our Savior Jesus, that he is in heaven and he has no more pain that his struggle on this earth is over. And he has been made new, and his mind is clear, and he's smiling once again. But what about us? What, how, how do we wrestle with this? What, what, how do we make sense out of a, a senseless tragedy like this? And what do we say uh, in moments like this? Uh, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're, you're going to leave today and you're going to talk to neighbors and friends and 
You're going to be at work tomorrow or you're going to be on your campus and there's going to be a lot of talk, a lot of questions. And as a follower of Jesus, you're like, what do I say? What, what, what do I do? And what I hope to do today is just somehow help us to kind of wrestle through this together and get some answers and find out what does God want to say to each of us. Uh, you may or may not have seen um, Jameson's uh, father's uh, Facebook post. His dad, Michael, posted um, just uh, shortly after Jameson passed yesterday. He wrote on Facebook, and, and this is what he wrote. This is a father writing about his son. I've had to read this over and over again because um, uh, I'm a dad. <laughs> I got four kids. And this is what his dad wrote. And Jameson is gone. Last night after the football game, he climbed over the railing and jumped from the top of the stadium. He succumbed to the depression he had been battling for so long. He was not weak. He was not selfish. He showed more grit getting out of bed every morning than most of us have shown our whole lives. Depression is a deft and wicked enemy. I cannot begin to explain the pain and loss that I'm experiencing right now. Jameson was beautiful inside and out. He was, he was more than my son. He was my best friend. He was everything that was good in me. Every breath of my life will miss him. In times like this, we do not heal. We struggle. We drag ourselves through the day. We breathe until we can do so without weeping. We wait for all the beauty and laughter that Jameson brought into this world to overpower the ugliness of his last moments. We wait for the moments we remember and the stories we will always tell to force the sadness back to a place where we can try to live. And with Jameson there was more than enough spirit and love to pull us through. The words of a father, broken what I want to do is I want to talk to those of you today that maybe, like Jameson, you, you feel trapped. Uh, you, you, you feel that you, you've you kind of lost hope and you're, you're, just, you're, you're ready to quit. You're ready. It doesn't sound like a half bad idea. Maybe you've contemplated some of that in, in your own life. And I don't know if that's one or 10 or 20. I don't know what that number is, but it does not matter. I will preach to the one today. But I also want to talk to those of you that maybe you've never had a thought like that, but you're just in a dark place. Like life has really dealt you a difficult blow. You've had some deep struggles that nobody's ever, you put on the face, you know, you look, you look right, but. But deep down inside, man, it's just, it's just dark, and life might as well be over for you. In the song, Tom Petty says this. He says, I'll, I'll stand my ground. I won't be turned around. I'll keep this world from dragging me down. You know, and at, at one, one time, maybe that was you. You were full of hope, and you were full of determination, and, and now you just feel, you feel stuck. It's just cloudy, it's just dark, uh, you're, you're, you're trying to keep the faith, but, but you're frustrated, you're, you're just discouraged, you're just ready, you're ready to quit. Well, this is, this is how Mary felt. This is where Mary found herself. Jesus has died, and right along with him, 
The dream died with him. It came to a, to a screeching halt. And there really wasn't a whole lot of hope in this moment for them. They don't, didn't know what we now know. There was nothing but confusion. And so in John chapter 19, we find her at the tomb, and the stone has been rolled aside, and there's no body. And we know, we know today, and it's really hard for us to put ourselves in that place but but Mary didn't didn't know, and so she thinks the body has been stolen. And she and we hear this about her in verse eleven. Mary was standing outside the tomb. She's crying, and as she wept, she stooped and she looked in. So this idea is Mary. Mary she's just paralyzed, and she just keeps looking in the tomb. She's like fixed fixated on it, and it's it's like completely overwhelmed her. Maybe maybe that's the picture for you today. Maybe maybe that's you. You have you've lost hope, or there's been the end of a dream, or you've experienced some sort of setback in life. And what can happen is we can we can fixate on that loss, like like Mary fixating on the tomb. We fixate on the setback, the loss, the the ending, and and it can overwhelm us. It it, it can absolutely like consume us. And and instead of leading us out of our tomb, it leads us deeper into the tomb and deeper into a dark place. See, when we, when we fixate on it, when we fixate on that loss, when we fixate on that ending, we, we have this, this real weird feeling that if, you know, if I play it, you ever done this? You like, if I just play it back over and over again, maybe at some point, uh, I'll be able to, you know, bring some kind of uh, conclusion to this. I'll be able to figure out an answer. I'll, I'll just, I'll be able to get some understanding or some clarity. Or maybe if I just keep thinking about it, eventually I'm, I'm going to get some meaning. And so we, we look deep into the tomb. I, I think one of the things we do is we why it to death. Have you ever done that? It was like, why? Why, God? Why? 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 And you just keep, why, 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 God, why? You sound like your own child when your kid comes to you and does that. Why, Mom? Why, Dad? Why, 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 why? You're like, and you ever, have you ever tried to, this is the dumbest thing parents ever do. We, I've done this. You ever try to reason with your four-year-old? Why do we do that? They're like, why, Daddy? And you're like, well, honey, it's because of da-da-da-da-da. And you think, bing, got it, right? No, do they get it? No, they're like, okay, but why does that da-da-da? And you're like, well, well, that's because of da-da-da. And then they go, well, why is that? And it's just this never ending. And they're like, why, why? And finally you just look at them and you go, why? Because I said so. That's why. Like you turn into your dad. You're like, oh, man, I thought I would never say that. <laughs> My parents said that, and now I, I'm saying that. Well, we can do that with God as well. See, we, we are children, and we look through this, this hazy glass, and we see dimly into, into what is really taking place, and we don't, we don't see things with perfect clarity like God does. God is sovereign over all things, and, and we can continue to ask why, but there are situations, there are struggles, there are things that happen on this earth that I need to tell you, you will not find an answer this side of eternity. You will not find the answer, but one day... One day when you are in paradise, one day when you are in heaven with the Father, you will look back and you will see the sovereign hand of God. See, we live in a fallen and a broken world, a sin-broken world, and tragedy comes at some point to all of us in our lives in different forms, in different ways. And one of the worst things we can do in that moment is it to death because all it will do is lead us deeper into that Tomb. It drives us deeper into despair until we are finally trapped 
in a tomb of uncertainty. So Mary here, Mary wasn't looking for a resurrection. She wasn't looking for a resurrection. She, she came to the tomb actually with burial spices. I think that's a little bit of what we do. This happens to us. Like, we know the stories, like you know the promises, you, you know about the, the, the resurrection, and, and you, you've heard about it, but so many times the tomb can overwhelm us. And so what we do is, is we come with these, and we go, we, we go and we kind of get these burial spices, and, and what we want to try to do is make the situation stink a little less, right? I mean, we just, we want to make it tolerable, so we'll look for anything that will kind of take the edge off. We'll self-medicate. It's just, just, I just need to get, just, I just need to take the edge off. It's just one time, it's just, it's all I'm doing is just to take, just doing this to take the edge off. Or maybe that's not yours, maybe that's not your crux, but I mean, sometimes we'll just sit down and we'll binge watch like seven seasons of The Walking Dead and consume three boxes of Twinkies, okay, in the process. Not that I've ever done that. That's not me. I know a friend. I know a friend who, who has done that. <laughs> but anything to, to escape, anything to try to get it to go away, and so we self-medicate or we binge watch or we do whatever we have to do to get over it, but what happens is you gotta, you got to wake up the next day, and it's Groundhog Day all over again. Put your little hand in mine. Ain't no hill or mountain, babe, I got you. Babe. Okay, some of you know it. I love to just kind of get you guys to do it. It's just there, over, and there it is again. And, it, and you know, and put your little hand in mine, boom, smash the alarm clock next day. Put your little hand in mine, boom, smash the alarm Put your little, and it's just there all the time. And you feel yourself slowly sinking into this darkness. And in the song, he says, there ain't no easy way out. And maybe you feel like there's no way out. There's just no way out of what I'm dealing with. I want to tell you this today. The, the answer is not found in the tomb. The answer is not found in the tomb. Come on, let's tell three people right now to help them right now. You don't know who's sitting by you. Come on, let's tell each other, hey, the answer ain't in the tomb. The answer ain't in that tomb. The answer is not in the tomb. See, in, in Luke's account of the resurrection, Luke also writes about it. And listen to what the angel said to Mary in Luke's account in Luke 24, 5. The angel said this, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? See, Jesus had told his followers he was going to rise again. He had told them, hey, the son of man must die. He's going to lay on the ground for three days. You guys know the story of Jonah, you know, the well, well, well spits him up. Yeah, that's, that's me. Hello, it's me, it's me, it's me. And so he's trying to tell them, and then it, it, the time comes for that to happen. But Mary's so overwhelmed, she's just completely forgotten that. She, doesn't, she just thinks they've stolen the body, and she is distraught. She's overwhelmed, and she's grieving. So I, I don't know wh where you're at. I, I, I know some of you, and I know some of your journey, but there's too many people here for me to know where you are at, and you may feel like you're alone and you're grieving, you're alone in your struggle, and what I want you to know is you are in company with the men and women of Scripture who themselves asked the difficult questions, who themselves struggled who themselves wept, who themselves found themselves in despair and overwhelmed. One of them is the prophet Jeremiah. Now, Jeremiah 
uh, is not only an amazing, cool name and the, the name of my third son, but he's also a prophet in the Bible. And next week, by the way, we're going to start a series, We Are Core Church, where we're going to talk about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what our church is all about, four weeks we're looking at the book of Jeremiah. We're going to walk through the book of Jeremiah. You'll learn a lot about this guy. If you don't know about Jeremiah, he's like one of the most popular prophets in all of the Bible. But he didn't have the most exciting of lives. Like God basically told him this, hey, I'm going to raise you up, and, and you're going to talk to my people, and you're going to call them out of their sin, and nobody's going to listen to you. And Jeremiah goes, all right, I'm in. They arrest him. They lock him up. They throw him down a well. He's, he's laying in a cesspool of excrement and urine. They haul him off to Egypt, didn't want to go. He's trying to tell these people nobody will listen to him. His life is brutally hard. And then so he writes this book, and we call it Lamentations. He lamented, okay? He was sad. And here's what it says, and Jeremiah said this. He said, the thought, this is Lamentations 3.19, the thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. Is that how you feel? See, somebody's been there. Somebody's had that struggle. This is a mighty prophet of God. This is not just a nobody. This is a guy who's been called out from the seats and is declared, we're going to write a big, long book about you, stick it in the Bible, and people are going to talk about you for thousands of years. This is what he's dealing with. Is that where maybe you find yourself today, suffering bitter beyond words? I really think that's where a lot of us find ourselves in this city, in our school right now, and just no words can describe it. He says, I'll never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. And then he says this, yet I still dare to hope. I still dare to hope. Come on, say that with me. I still dare to hope. Come on, tell somebody right now, dare to hope. You need to dare to hope. Hold on to hope. He says, why? Why? Why should I hold on to hope? Well, I, I dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. Endings are all over this world. Tragedy comes to all of us. Everything eventually comes to an end. This world has nothing but endings, but the love of the Lord never ends. So for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we have hope because we know it's always going to be there. It's never going to fail me. It's never going to let me down. He says this, his mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. In other words, when the sun goes down, the sun is going to rise. I mean, we all know that. None of us are going to go home tonight, and the sun is going to set, and you're going to go, oh, dang, what just happened? What, wait, wait why, what, what's happening? I mean, you can imagine, I just think of, <laughs> I think of Adam and Eve were probably the only ones that did that, like the sun set. They didn't know. They didn't know. Sun set, and they're like, what just happened? <laughs> all right. Adam, are you there? Eve, Eve, Adam, Eve, you know, I mean, it's just like, okay, are we, what, what's going to happen now? And then there was a sunrise. See, for, for those of us who, who follow Jesus, we know that this life is full of sunsets. There's, it's full of endings, but the mercy of God always rises again. After every sunset, there is a sunrise. Though the, the darkness may come, his mercy will rise again. Darkness may fall on you, 
But you can count on this. The mercy of God will always rise again in your life. There will be a sunrise for you. So he says this, I say to myself, I love that, I say to myself. So he's giving himself a, a pep talk because this is Jeremiah, remember? Like nobody's encouraging Jeremiah. They all hate Jeremiah. Nobody loves Jeremiah. So nobody's coming around going, hey, dude, that little sin message you gave, man, that was powerful. I, is that going to be on the podcast? Because I want to show that to my friends. I mean, no, they, weren't having, they didn't want no podcast. They want nothing. I mean, they're just, they didn't like him. So I love this. He's sitting here and he says like this, okay. I guess I just got to encourage myself. I got to go Stuart Smalley. I mean, I just got to, you're good enough. You're smart enough. Doggone it, people like you. <laughs> you see Jeremiah doing that? That would just be awesome if it said that in the Bible. <laughs> Jeremiah, the great mighty prophet of God. I'm smart enough. I'm good enough. Doggone it, Jeremiah, people like you. You have to sometimes give yourself a pep talk. You sometimes, you got to look in the mirror and you got to say what Jeremiah says right here. The Lord is my inheritance. Okay, what have I inherited? I've inherited loss. I have gotten lost. I have found myself in despair. I find myself in a, in a, in a, in a really, really crappy place. What is this? Wait, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. This is not my inheritance. No, 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 no. My, my inheritance is, is what? It's, it's, it's the Lord. The Lord is, is my inheritance. If the Lord is my inheritance, okay, listen, I don't, I don't know about you, but my parents, okay, my parents were preachers, and I look at the inheritance that's coming my way, I'm telling you, I'm not all that super excited, okay? All right, maybe some of you, you're like, your parents were like, cha-ching. You're like, I can't wait till mom and dad pass. I mean, I mean that in the right way. You know, but when they pass, cha-ching, okay? I mean, but here, what? Listen, you are a child of the living God, okay? Over all, owns all, has all. You get it all. It belongs to you. So great is your inheritance. This is why Jeremiah says this, what? I, I will hope in him. Come on, tell three people right now, I am going to hope in him, not you. I'm going to hope in him, and not you. I'm going to hope in him. He is my inheritance. Listen, if you're taking notes, write this down, because I think this is really going to help you. We are not people without hope. We are people who dare to hope. We are not people without hope. We are people who dare to hope, like I want to encourage you, if you're in a difficult spot, if you're in darkness right now, if your life is just in despair, if you are even having a remote thought, you know what he did? It sounds pretty good. I want to encourage you with this. Dare to hope again. Just, I just dare you to hope again. Hope and turn to the one who can bring that hope to you. Because the, the hope we have is that Jesus walked out of that tomb and so can I. If Jesus walked out of that tomb, I can walk out of that tomb as well. And this is because you, if you're looking for Jesus in the tomb, you ain't going to find him there because he ain't there. He has risen again, and he is walking out of the tomb, and all I got to do is get in line behind him and walk out of that tomb right along in stride with him. 
I like what the, the song says. He says, uh, you can stand me up at the gates of hell, but I won't back down. That sounds a lot like what Jesus would say. I just see Jesus just standing up and declaring uh, to Tom Petty. I want you to write this down, Tom. Write this down, okay? You can stand me up against the gates of hell, and I won't back down. That's pretty awesome, Jesus. I mean, you know, I just think that, how that might go down. But Jesus said, Jesus said it this way in Matthew 16. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church. And come on, church, church, let's say this together with enthusiasm like you really believe it. What? The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You can stand me up against the gates of hell, and I won't back down. You can say, when you are up against the gates of hell, and you feel like the next step backwards is going to consume you behind them, you can say, I, I will not back down. By the authority of Jesus Christ, I will not back down. I will dare to hope. Because here's what Jesus made. Jesus busted through those gates. He overcame death. He overcame sin. And with Jesus, every ending is an opportunity for a new beginning. If you're a follower of Jesus, every ending is an opportunity for a new beginning. So in the story, it's really interesting. Jesus is standing right there, like right there, but Mary doesn't, Mary doesn't recognize him. She's, she's grieving. She's, she's overwhelmed. It's, it's understandable why she doesn't recognize him, but it's really funny. In John 20, 15, it says she, she thought he was the gardener. <laughs> what? He's the son of God, the Messiah, and you think he's the, he's, he's the gardener? Now, I'm just saying, I, I, would, I would think if Jesus, when he rises from the dead and he makes his very first appearance, I would think he'd come riding in on some massive white stallion, you know, like with ACDC Thunderstruck playing in the background, you know. Ah, thunder. Ah, he's got like a giant lightning bolt in his hand. That's right. I'm back. Ah, thunder. That's what I envisioned he would do, but he shows up as a gardener. All right. Let's all get behind the gardener. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> it's just funny. But I, I really think that there are times that Jesus does show up in our lives, I think. On, I mean, he just shows up boldly with, with man with lightning bolt in his hand, and he just drives it into the ground and says, enough is enough, this is done. But I also believe probably most of the time he shows up as the gardener. And you got to look for him. See, I, I think this was very intentional on Jesus' part and on God's part to have him show up as a gardener. Because if you go all the way back to the very beginning in the book of Genesis, God started everything in a, in a garden. He started everything in a, in a garden, and he made Adam, Adam the, the very first caretaker. Adam was the very first gardener. But if you know the story of the Bible, Adam disobeyed God, and, and, he, and he brought death, and it brought decay into the garden, but praise be to God, he had a plan. God had a plan. See, Adam's, 
Adam is just a foreshadowing of Jesus. Everything in the Old Testament is just a foreshadowing of the coming Messiah, and Adam is no different than that. Adam was the, was the, the he was the first Adam, and Jesus was the, the final Adam. And so Adam, being this fore, uh, foreshadowing of Jesus, then several thousand years later, what does God do? God placed Jesus back in a what? Garden. First Adam, garden, death and decay. Jesus now back in the garden. And see, Adam, Adam, his disobedience brought death, but Jesus was resurrected to life in the garden. See, Adam's disobedience brought decay to the garden, but Jesus came to restore the garden. That's why he shows up as the gardener. So listen, when you're standing in the graveyard of doubt, look to the gardener. When all around you is nothing but death and decay and brokenness and heartache, I challenge you to get your eyes off of the tomb and look to the gardener. Look to the hope of Jesus because he is there and he is waiting on you. And as the gardener, what he does is he brings life and he, he brings this opportunity for a new beginning. In other words, what Jesus says is, man, I, I have come to make all things new. I have come that beauty might come from ashes. I have come to water a dry and thirsty ground. So what he'll do is he'll take the dry ground of today and he will turn it into the fertile soil of tomorrow. This is who Jesus is. And nobody knew this better than Mary. Nobody. See, Mary had had seven demons cast out of her by Jesus. And this idea of, of seven, what most scholars believe is that it, what that was a symbol of is that it just basically couldn't get any worse. Like, she had it the worst of the worst, and she was a, an outcast. Nobody knew what to do with her, and she was just really, really messed up. It seemed to be no hope for her. But all listen, Jesus came to Mary cast out those demons, and now here in the garden, all Jesus had to do was say her name, Mary. And she heard that name, and she recognized that name. It, 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 was, the same, it was the same voice that raised her to life. It was the same voice that walked her out of her tomb, and she turned, and she's like, my Savior, my teacher, my rabbi, the son of the Lord, he is alive. And such, she recognized that voice. So let me ask you this. What, what tomb do you find yourself in today? Where are you at? Are, are you in one of those incredibly dark places where you are considering the unthinkable? Are you struggling with depression are you in a place maybe of just doubt? Maybe you just feel like you're at a dead end. You're like, you tried, and I've tried, and, I, and I've tried. I'm so worn out from trying. I just feel like it's never going to change. The situation's never going to change. Or maybe you're facing a loss. And it, it might be just a few days ago that you experienced that loss. I was talking to somebody between services, and they... They lost people they loved this week, and our church body has lost family in the last few weeks. But it might be several years ago that you lost somebody you love, and you just never have 
recovered from that. And you found yourself, like Mary, just kind of staring into the tomb. This is what I want to tell you today is that Jesus can walk you out of that tomb. He can walk you out of that tomb and he can raise you to new life. I want to encourage you today to listen for his voice. Turn your head from the tomb and get it up and begin to look to the gardener and just listen. Listen for him to call your name in the same way that he called Mary's name because that's what he's, he's, he's calling your name. He's calling you to new life. You're his child. No one is an orphan. No one is alone. You are a creation of God Almighty and he loves you more than you can ever imagine. And he knew your name before your parents knew your name. And he's calling your name today, and he's calling you out of the tomb and into new life.